Hey, oh, bad boys. Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Today's episode, we're putting together a team of Earth's mightiest podcasters to discuss Infinity War. Normies, assemble! Mike, smash that track. The end is near. What happened? Thanos is coming. He won't stop until he destroys half the universe. I'm Peter, by the way. Doctor Strange. Hey. Oh, wait. Get this man a shield. Who the hell are you guys? Hey, yo, bad boys. These are your hosts. I'm Spider Joe. Hey, it's Iron Colin. And the incredible Mike. And today we're going to be discussing Infinity War, the latest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, big fans of these, of course, were huge Marvel franchise fans. This is, of course, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, film number 19, the culmination of a lot of the events happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the third Avengers movie, and uh, right now, one of the biggest film releases of all time. Yeah, I mean, um, 18 movies to get to this one. It's the halfway point of a climax that we've been anticipating for all these years, and uh, I'm excited to see how it wraps up and had a good time with the film. The film has made over a billion dollars already. One of the biggest box office successes of all time. Definitely a lot to dive into here. Uh, We're recording this at a week where in the fifth week now at the box office, and it uh, just fell short of making the two billion mark this week, which would have made it the fastest film to reach that. Unfortunately, it fell just a little bit short. I'm sure it'll make that up in the next coming week. But we did see another milestone this week. They just hit a huge record on the uh, Infinity Wars first trailer view count on YouTube. And to be breaking all these records in a time where superhero films are more prevalent than ever, Deadpool 2 opened up just two weeks after Infinity War, so there's a lot more competition in the field. And Solo came out a week after that. Exactly. Yeah, you're seeing Disney eat a lot of its own competition as well, unfortunately, as it sort of tears itself apart at the box office. Just like Thanos, they are collecting stones, you know, individually here, and now they're owning the box office week by week. Yeah, and just like the film, we're seeing a lot of balance, maybe even, too. Well, if you're not careful, you might end up uh, disintegrating half your audience base by oversaturation. So that might be uh, a problem for Marvel's future. We'll Mm. see, folks. But first, let's talk about the film itself, Marvel's Infinity War. Guys, thoughts right off the top of your head, tops or bottoms? Did you like this movie? I loved it. I thought it was super fun. I thought it was amazing what they accomplished, not only with 18 movies leading up to this, but also the um, branching storylines. You have all these compartmentalized uh, story arcs, and normally it would be like such a clusterfuck, it would make no sense, but I think it did a good job of moving the plot forward. Everyone had agency, more or less. Captain America could have been a little bit more utilized, but overall, most of the people were there for a reason, had something to do, and were contributing to this epic story. I thought it was great. You know, we've never seen something like this tackled on film. Uh, Iron Man came out in 2008. It is 2018, and we are seeing Infinity War. That, that level of connection between these films has never been done before. For example, there's little stuff like in Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, Iron Man and Happy do a little bit about him getting married to uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Pepper Potts. In this movie, in the first couple scenes, it's referenced that, yeah, they're getting married. He did propose. That level of uh, connectivity is something that's never even been attempted before. Oh, no, and you really got to give it up to Marvel. Uh, They really are touting, and you got to celebrate that 10-year anniversary mark. As you just said, it's been 10 years since the first film, Iron Man, and he was certainly a huge, prominent character in Infinity War, maybe even the lead uh, next to the villain Thanos. Yeah, and Mike, like you had mentioned, one of my faults with the film, I think, is Captain America didn't get a lot of screen time. 
boils down to about six minutes in total, which is less than half of what we saw with Iron Man, who was kind of the lead of this movie. I have a feeling moving forward with Avengers 4, we're going to see characters like Captain America and Black Widow, who were kind of in the side of this one, take a heavier role, obviously. Yeah, and that being said, though, they still did a very good job of balancing a movie with more characters than we've ever seen in a single film as far as principal characters, name characters, important characters, and they all more or less had something to do. And coming off of that, I want to ask, what about you guys, tops and bottoms? What was your favorite thing from the movie and your least favorite thing about the movie? (laughs) Well, first, I want to comment on something you just said. You got to give it up to the line producer, kind of an industry term, but that's the person who makes sure the production is running on time and managing that many paid big name celebrity actors making sure their time isn't wasted when you're shooting these things that is a hell of a goal oh yeah colin i mean that that level of uh cooperation from everyone involved runs like a well-oiled machine and that comes off on the screen oh and early on we saw the russo brothers of course the directors of the film tweet out a picture of the village of trailers that made up the film i mean that was incredible again sort of a -a one-of-a-kind achievement with this film yeah, we talk about video village on set, you know, in, in the industry, but this truly was village. I mean, this film, oh when you look God, at the video credits, town. every department could have been a whole city. <laughs> it's a small community. I mean, they really could have uh, had their own leadership and, and government and taxes. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a small municipality to make Infinity War. <laughs> so I'll take your top or bottoms question here, Mike. I'll hit you with my top. Uh, I love this film. First off, that's my that's my opening thoughts of it. It's a blockbuster. I mean, is there a moment of this thing that you are not entertained? The kind of real estate that this film uses for two hours, uh, I believe in 15 minutes, not even two and a half hours. It's Marvel's longest running film, uh, and it doesn't really feel like it to me. I also think it uses humor incredibly well to alleviate that long run time. You know, you're wrapped up in pretty incredible scenes, a lot of action, again, incredible blockbuster moments, but uh, very natural humor that you would not expect in a film as certainly as dark as this is. Uh, to lighten up that runtime a little bit. That would be my top for sure. The enjoyability aspect of it, which of course comes together with seeing all these characters come together for the first time. But my bottom has to be what you mentioned before, a lack of screen time for Captain America, um, a a lack of development for, say, the Guardians. You know, this film uh, has to juggle the introduction of the Guardians of the Galaxies to the Avengers universe, which is something we have not seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this time. So you're seeing a lot of big-name characters get spread pretty thin. I mean, what is Spider-Man doing this? He makes some dope alien references, you know, 80s movie jokes, but... uh, It's not like he gets a ton of moments to shine. It's not like we get to see a ton of Black Panther, you know, Chala, the leader of Wakanda, who just had a huge film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Think about all those fresh new fans who want to see that character on the screen in bigger and better roles. Uh, And it's kind of spread pretty thin between the uh, villain of the film, Thanos, taking up most of the screen time. You know, one thing I would say is definitely a top for me is... Thanos kind of shutting down that bullshit of Marvel doesn't have good villains. Ooh, this is a real hot rumor. I love this take, Joe. So a big thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that they have bad films. You'll see big-named actors sign on to one movie, not a lot of character development, a lot of world-ending, wringing-their-hands motivations, but you didn't find that with Thanos. No, Thanos, I thought, was a fully developed character. Josh Brolin's performance is in my opinion, on par with something like Heath Ledger's Joker. He does a really good job of just encompassing this character that feels like he's in the right. 
Or how about even something like Andy Serkis as Caesar in the Planet of the Apes, given that it's fully motion capture? I mean, that's astounding. Absolutely. And like just to see the evolution of Thanos as a character from, you know, first appearing back in 2012 as a Easter egg post-cred scene of like, oh, maybe Thanos will come back. You know, flash forward six years and we see a fully fleshed out character who feels just as real as any one of the Avengers. Joe, you're a huge fan. You saw the first Avengers film out here in California at Disney's licensed theater, The El Capitan, opening night, Clark Gregg uh, in the audience as one of the huge characters of that film. Did you think when you saw that teaser of Thanos you would ever see him as a fully realized villain in a film? You know, I did because that Disney had built up uh, an expectation that like, if you set a bar, they're going to meet it. You know, like when we saw Nick Fury introduced at the end of Iron Man, it was a post-cred scene that was like, oh shit, the Avengers exist. Like, S.H.I.E.L.D. exists. This is Nick Fury talking to Tony Stark. Once they followed up on that promise, as a fan, it really gave weight that like what they said they were going to do, they were going to do. And they delivered in this movie... Above and beyond. Oh, you got to give it to Marvel. They've certainly earned the credibility that little Easter eggs like that are going to pay off in a bigger, grander way. Yeah, they connect everything in this universe so well. Uh, it's something other people are trying to mimic, and no one's even come close. Well, how about your bottom for Infinity War? I know you loved Thanos, but tell me, what did you dislike about the film? It's, it, this is nitpicking. Uh, obviously, I love the film as a whole, but... Like you said, Captain America, the screen time is just not there. He's one of my favorite characters. There's also just certain, uh, not promises, because no one said we were going to get them, but things that I was expecting that didn't happen. We You're never talking saw... about maybe stuff based from comic books? Maybe, but also just kind of based on like the universe they had built so far. Like We left after Civil War... Tony and Steve's relationship in such a weird place, right? So I think everyone with Infinity War was kind of expecting them to meet up again and kind of put their differences aside for the greater good. They never interact in this movie. You do not see a reunion of Captain America and Iron Man kind of resolving their differences in Civil War. Uh, Hawkeye is not featured. Um, You know, there's little things like that where it's like, oh, you wanted to see these universe developed. You mentioned the runtime, yeah, 215. I would have sat through a four-hour movie. I, got, I, I want that. I as agree much with you there as, as a fan. Now, uh, can I ask you, and we will be talking full spoilers on this episode, listeners, so please yep. make sure that you haven't watched uh, the movie before you listen. Uh, do you feel like Marvel itself was kind of buying into some of that, maybe spreading some of that and setting up your expectations a little bit with what they're promising as this film being the culmination of the entire universe And spoiler alert, guys, we're left on a bit of a cliffhanger. We know that's not going to be true until Avengers 4, the follow-up. Yeah, I think they did a really good job of subverting expectations. Um, As a longtime fan of the MCU and also the Marvel comics, I was expecting to lose characters like Steve Rogers, uh, Tony Stark, some of the forming Avengers to kind of make way for some of these younger characters, like Bucky taking up the mantle of Captain America, for example. Instead, what they did is flipped it. And we saw characters like Spider-Man, who was just introduced in Civil War and only had one of his own films. He's ended up uh, dissipated. God, Black- heartbreaking scene for the audience yep. I was at with guys. I don't know about you. Oh, oh. single 
<laughs> it Spider-Man. wasn't a single tear. It was a lot of Spider-Man tears. Spider-Man's the only guy that got like a true close-up when he dissolved. Ooh, Everyone else was like a medium shot. They death. show his face, his fear. Oh, it's so impactful. And, you know, everyone has said it, but just to reiterate for the fans who might not know, Spider-Man's spider sense is kind of like an intuition that lets him know when something bad is happening or something bad's going to happen. He could feel that coming. You know, so when he says... Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. It's because he doesn't, and he's aware that what's coming is coming. Also, he has a bit of a healing factor, not something akin to, like, Logan in the X-Men, where it's, like, instantaneous, but he's resilient as a human, right? I mean, we saw him get knocked around quite a bit in his solo film and Civil War. So he was dying slower than other people because his body was fighting it off, and his spider sense was going crazy, telling him something was up. So just a really gut-wrenching scene yeah it still plays in with his power set too and like how that would affect him as a youth psychologically like realizing that his end is inevitable and just going back to like subverting expectations black panther just made a billion dollars at the box office you know as a character t'challa has not been featured in a movie that didn't make a billion dollars yeah we have civil war black panther and now infinity war so for them to take him and just dissipate him on a line where he's literally saying like this is not a place to die. Oh, shit, I just died. I feel like it's the filmmakers really being like, ha ha ha, you thought you knew. You didn't. These are bold choices. We'll really see what the screenwriters have in store for us and whether or not those choices will pay off in Avengers 4 for sure. Yeah, I mean, for my top and bottoms about Infinity War, um, I'm kind of with Joe here. Thanos was the top of the top. It's a villain with pathos. He believes he's in the right. Um, he's not a bad guy until he's bad for you. Oh, let me ask you this then, Mike. Uh, as a fan of these films, did you feel that they had a villain problem before this? I did a little bit. I mean, I think Ego, obviously his whole thing is being an Ego. This is in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You have Kurt Russell. Russell. Exactly. I think he was fun as like the dad who I just want to play catch. But yeah, you know, he was a guy who just wanted to make the universe him because he wanted to. Steppenwolf is not good. I'm a bad guy because I'm a bad guy. Uh, but that being said, it's a lot better than Ares in um, Wonder Woman. Like, that's such a bad villain. War. War, Bad right? things happen, but Diana. Thanos, well, like you said, Steppenwolf in the Justice League movie. Yeah. He's just very generic. Yeah, literally a herald for a character we don't even see featured. Yeah. And I think the besides Thanos, the best villain in the Marvel Universe that I can think of is Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. That's right. Talking Michael Keaton's performance. Just a blue collar guy uh, with the aftermath of the war in New York and stuff, just trying to take care of his family. Yeah, that's another one where you're not seeing faceless armies, which is a large And it's a guy who feels people. justified and you could see his reasoning. Yeah, I mean, I think Marvel definitely did have a problem in that people were seeing a pattern created. But once the problem was acknowledged, we've gotten some of the strongest villains that there are. I mean, like Mike just said, Michael Keaton's Vulture is, in my opinion, the best MCU villain so far. Ooh, I love that take. Um, and then we have Killmonger in oh, Black Panther. Killmonger is great. Love. People are calling him a Darth Vader level next gen uh, villain. Is so relatable to audiences. I mean, absolutely fell in love with Michael B. Jordan's performance of Eric Killmonger in the Black Panther film. Yeah, so to say they have a problem is like, fine, they had a problem. They have fixed it and gone above and beyond, in my opinion. Yeah, the past three in a row have been the best three that they've produced. I mean, that's and, it. Problem solved. And that's your top for you, Mike, is Thanos. And do you like him because he's got urgency? He's got pathos? What is it about Josh Brolin's performance in the film? I like him because he's believable. Like, I like the idea of a villain that 
they're not just evil for evil's sake. Like it's so easy to do that. And you know, the fact that he does have a point, like all these Thanos was right memes, like you can see it. And like he like saw what happened to his own planet. And like if only they could have acted, if only they were willing to sacrifice, right, they would have solved it. And they weren't willing. So he's the one who's willing to sacrifice something. None of the heroes are, but he is, and that's why he succeeds. I love that take on him. And, you know, Josh Brolin had an interesting thing to say. He said he was convinced by Mark Ruffalo, who, of course, does a lot of motion capture work as the Incredible Hulk in this universe, to take on the role. He said, you'll be surprised when you see your eyes move, your your mouth move up on the screen, that that is you, that your performance is coming through. So do you guys think that that technology will hold up? Do you think Thanos will look good over the years? I certainly think he will. I think the CGI is fantastic. I think the CGI is fantastic on Thanos. Uh, you know, another criticism I've seen is that some of the CG in the Marvel Universe is lackluster, which I would agree with in terms of, like, the, the Black Order, um, or the, the, children the army. Children of Thanos. Yeah, the children of Thanos and the, the army that we do see in this movie, the, uh, what are they? Not Mindless Ones. The Chitari? The Xenomorphs. The, in, in Infinity War. Not Chitari, because that's... Oh, the Seekers, I'm sorry. The Seekers, yeah. I think some of those might be up to to criticism in the next couple years. I don't know if they're going to hold up. But Thanos, I mean, that performance is just so real. Like, you can see his face move in a way that it's like, that will always transfer, because if a cartoon transfers, obviously a mocap performance of, you know, someone on Josh Calver, or Josh Brolin's level is going to, to go over well. So he was a highlight for you, Mike. How about uh, your bottom for the film? Honestly, I don't have a lot of criticisms for it. Um, I think it was paced incredibly well for what you're trying to do with a number of characters. I do wish Captain America had a little bit more flesh out. He didn't meet up with Tony Stark, like Joe said. But honestly, the bottom for me is the fact that I live in 2018, and I know you know, that there will be another one, and I know that Spider-Man's coming back. I know that Captain America will be back. What is a bottom for me is that I don't have that true feeling of like that pain that they're trying to deliver to me, which they do successfully. It's just the fact that I know that there's going to be another one and the characters are coming back because I'm too woke. It takes away from like how, like if I was a kid, I'd be devastated. If I'm a kid who's not on Twitter, my God. Oh yeah. And seeing that online or, you know, in the theaters, experiencing it, like my second viewing, I remember, you know, post snap, I stopped looking at the screen and I started just looking around because I wanted to see everyone's reactions. And you'd be surprised how many general fans, normies, if you will, come to these movies not knowing, A, anything about the comics, or B, thinking about uh, the future of the franchises. So some of these deaths, I think, played really well for general audiences, but like you said, not so well for people like us. So this is a quote and question that's kind of going around right now. Uh, a lot of bloggers have asked exactly what we're talking about right now, saying to Stephen McFreely, one of the screenwriters, how can you uh, convincingly write away these deaths knowing that Spider-Man Homecoming 2 potentially is coming out? And he said, look, we write these screenplays for the people who watch the movies, not who read the trades. So we're seeing a little bit more of a niche to Normie there, where, again, they're trying to make these movies for the people. They, they can't be thinking about that upcoming slate of films. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're someone like us who follows, you know, oh, Spider-Man 2 is going to take place globally. He's going to go to London. Like, we've seen that kind of stuff. If you're a general fan, you're not really keeping up on that. You're not the person who's looking up, like, oh, X company has filed for these trademarks for these names. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's definitely a niche thing. The normie people are going to watch the film and 
feel like a sense of loss when they lose Spider-Man, who they just met and they loved, you know, and they lose T'Challa. Yeah, I mean, like, like my mom hated the movie. Ooh, tell really? us about that. Well, she was like, it was so sad. They, they lost. Oh. I was like, yeah, but my, you know. Part one or two. They can't win every time, right? Or it'd be boring. She was like, no. They the gotta Yankees. win every time. They're the, the Yankees. Good boys. See, that's exactly, your mom is the type of person where that's the scene why Iron Man in the film has to say, the firefighters are coming this way. Watch this. We get those great hero moments because that's exactly why we want to watch these. We want to see these people do good. And I love the subversion of, uh, you know, they do this, this black text at the end of Civil War. They said, Spider-Man will return. And everyone's like, yeah. You know, at the end of the first Avengers movie, they said, the Avengers will return. Everyone was like, yeah. Classic, classic. The end of this one, they said, Thanos will return. Ooh, yeah. Scares the audience. <laughs> yeah, which is like, oh, really? <laughs> Does he have to? I got to give them so much credit for making me care about a purple spaceman. Like, think about it. And his odd green daughter that and he adopted. And his metal glove that changes, the, <laughs> changes reality. It's such a weird MacGuffin that can do anything. Like, it could be the biggest fucking dumb thing you've ever heard of. That's the ultimate weapon. But it works so well. Like, what he brings to it. Also, the storyline with Gamora and how that ties in. Just, it feels scary. Thanos feels intimidating, but he doesn't feel unreasonable. No, and that's the thing. You love it as an audience. Yeah. I think that's because they, they bring you in, like, the first scene of this movie. Let's talk a little bit about the actual beats of the movie. Yeah, let's You know, we briefly. start right off the bat. They tell you Thanos is not fucking around. You, the first shot we see of Thanos, he has Thor's head in his hand like it is nothing to him. Yeah, a god. And then five minutes later... He's beating the shit out of the Hulk. Yeah, I mean, two those minutes are two later, of the strongest Avengers we've ever seen, and he's playing with them like they're nothing. Exactly, just kind of beating them around. Ebony Maw even has that throwaway line of, no, let him have his fun. Yeah, that's very true. We, like, we have a god and the Hulk among men be just being, but it's like, oh, I wonder what happens when Hulk fights Big Purple Man. They do it right away. And that's it. He gets handled. Takes away the safety an audience would have, thinking, the good guys, of course they can overcome this. No, they can't. Or you'll see Hulk at the end. Nope. Again, that's, you know, subverting the expectations that we had, even as fans. And, you know, before the opening credits of the film even land, Loki is dead and Heimdall is dead. So they tell us right off the bat that this film is going to hit the ground running. Yeah, I found it really interesting that it picked up exactly where Thor Ragnarok left off and uh, does a very interesting job of, like we mentioned before, bringing a lot of parties together. The Guardians become involved because obviously they have a connection with Thanos because of Gamora. Tony gets involved with Doctor Strange and Spider-Man because they have an affiliation with the Infinity Stones. So we're seeing a lot of different Marvel things happening, a lot of team-ups we wouldn't imagine, people splitting up and going off in their own way. Do we have any favorite team-ups? Because personally, I loved seeing Thor with Rabbit. I love Spider-Man with Mr. Stark in space. It was fun. I loved that. I'll say one I didn't like, and I'm curious to see what you guys think about this. Uh, obviously, the film does an incredible job as a blockbuster of syncing up huge action set pieces. You want to see how this person's power is interacting with this person's power, and God, what a payoff, and especially at that huge Wakanda battle at the end. But I, I really thought it kind of jumped the shark maybe when we see Bucky pick up Rocket Raccoon and spin him around as they're both shooting. And, and we see Rocket essentially just re-quoting one of his lines from the first Guardians, hey, can I have that arm? I mean, what are we doing there? In my opinion, this is one of those examples of like, 
You got just what you wanted, Internet. Uh, yeah. Are is you it sure it's what you wanted? too sweet. Yeah. Ugh. I loved seeing um, Tony Stark and Doctor Strange together. Oh, yeah. You know, like, in the comic books, they are facial hair bros. They've really... And they uh, mentioned that. that. Yeah, they've really gotten into that uh, dynamic of, like, look, these two, at their core, are very similar. They are snarky. They are smart. What happens when you have the two smartest men in the room in the same room? Like, yeah. seeing that dynamic, I thought was very interesting. And I thought it was handled well. And they're both prideful. Like, you know what I mean? They're not going to take a lot of shit from each other. It's fun to see that dynamic. Joe, did you have any favorite action scenes between those two characters? We see them each face off against Thanos in pretty impressive individual battles. Um, sure. Here's the thing. I, I hate Tony Stark. Uh, I hate Iron Man. I just couldn't care less about him. I think he's a jerk. Ow. I think he's the villain of uh, Civil War. In the comics, even, I think, like, he's he's just really overrated, in my opinion. Just not a fan of him. Um, but what I do love is Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, so for me, that, that first moment where we go from the, the homecoming traditional spider suit to the Iron Spider reveal, that was just unbelievable to me. I mean, the first time we see the legs... Just the way it kind of like nanos to his body. It was so exciting. I love seeing the Inspire suit, but do you think it's a little too quick? I mean, he mm, just had Homecoming fear. and now he has the Iron Spider suit. And then what happens when he goes to Homecoming 2 or, or prom, I guess, whatever. Oh, I love that. I mean, I honestly, I hope we never see him in the Iron, Iron Spider suit again. That's what I would prefer. Um, Interesting. He's got to go back to his roots. But and I think, how is he going to go to high school when he's been to space? Well, he's gone now. So when we'll he spots Thanos, killer of the galaxy. I've got that same concern, Mike. And he's well, dead. We're kind of hinting at a bigger concern here. How do you go from Infinity War to anything? You know, we've seen these characters battle Thanos in space. Half the fucking universe has been dissipated. Half of the universe. Let's not undercut that. We feel like we lost a couple heroes here and there. <laughs> Half of all life in the universe yeah. is gone. And Thanos just sits in a chair like, ah, job well done. It's a good day. Hey, we saw Thanos going around culling a lot of the population uh, before he got the Infinity Stones. That seemed to be his MO. Do you think when he did the snap, those planets he already hit got their population halved again, quartered? Because that's pretty merciless. That's getting the short end of the That's yeah, true. Boy. Shouldn't they get an asterisk, a God, little exemption? I would hope so. They should have it, yeah. But again, I mean, it's the magic... It's the magic uh, MacGuffin glove. I'm sure it can figure it out. Another MacGuffin glove thing that people talk about is why couldn't he just make more resources for everybody? <laughs> oh, but I guess, if, I guess if the law of quantum mechanics is uh, matter cannot be created or destroyed, you can't have more or less of anything. It just exists in different forms. Repurpose. Maybe that's impossible. Maybe. But also he can rewind time. So that... <laughs> yeah, that really collapses it's a that it's, argument. It's a movie we're watching. We got to remember that. And he is the villain. I mean, yeah. like, I know people say like, oh, he's not a bad guy. He's a bad dude. He likes killing. You know, he he wouldn't humiliate Thor if he wasn't a bad Yeah, That's true. He does kind of be a dick about it, but he does have a reason that I... I can understand his reason. I don't agree with it, but yeah, I it's, it's it. good motivation. I mean, he's been spited. Like, his people told him he was wrong, and he had to watch them all die. And this is basically Ooh. an I told you so revenge arc. Exactly. Yeah. 
And Mike, you were talking a little bit about your favorite team up, saying Thor and the Guardians. Now, do you think that Marvel's done a really good job of rehabbing Thor, one of the least popular Avengers, but post-Ragnarok, we're seeing a huge resurgence in his popularity? You know, growing up, and we had the uh, cartoons and stuff, the comic books, I always thought Thor looked like a fucking nerd. He's got these <laughs> six circles on him with a dumb wing helmet. Big like, Viking hat. At yeah. least Spider-Man's cool, but Thor right now has never been cooler. He's so fun. I think... Uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth is doing such a good job with Thor. Even when he got his hair cut, it's like, this is still Thor. And this is like a Thor that I like to see. Chris Hemsworth is such a fucking funny guy. And I feel like they are finally taking advantage of that. One of my favorite versions of Thor in the comic books is the Ultimate Universe's version of Thor, where he keeps saying he's the Norse god Thor, but no one really believes it. It's oh, just kind funny. of a joke of like, oh, that guy drinks a lot and talks about being a god. I love that we're kind of seeing some of those elements come out in Chris Hemsworth's performance. Because again, like, I mean, he was cast in Ghostbusters for a reason. Oh, absolutely. He gets roles in rom-coms for a reason. He is a funny fucking guy. It's interesting that you bring up that Ultimate Thor stuff, Joe. Uh, We see a lot of that character look in Infinity War sort of being reflected in Chris Hemsworth's outfit, as well as his axe, uh, which replaces Mjolnir, Stormbreaker, being very close to the Ultimate Mjolnir hammer. Yeah, I mean, it kind of has that, like, Jeljaborn look, where it's like the axe on one side, the hammer on the other. Very I love seeing it, because it feels like... A great nod to the comics. And one of the other things that I really love about Infinity War is it was full of Easter eggs and nods to the comics. That's the more niche stuff. The normies are here to see Spider-Man flip around, but there's a lot of these <laughs> nods to the Easter eggs, right? Yeah, I mean, like, as a diehard Marvel fan, you're going to be excited to see stuff that is straight out of the books. I mean, there are lines that Emony Ma delivers where he's, like, talking about Thanos and how you're lucky to be a part of all of this that are directly taken from Mephisto and Star Fox in the comics. It's like the the Storm Riders in Solo coming straight out of the comics. Exactly. We're seeing a lot of that reflected here. Is uh, Is Thanos and the children of Thanos, it's like the better version of Apocalypse and the Four Horsemen as far as the MCUs are concerned, that you have Fox handling the X Men films with you have the big bad with four henchmen, and then you have Thanos, and it's just so much better. Mike, I love that recommendation. Uh, I, I think that's totally dead on. We're seeing a couple critiques, though. We were talking a little bit about special effects before. Some people saying the children of Thanos didn't look that great, were a little underdeveloped. A lot of complaints that Proxima Midnight, the female uh, member of the team, thrashes on Vision but gets his gets her ass kicked by Black Widow. Uh, you guys have any thoughts about that? Did you like how they were portrayed? First of all, I want to say now we have two movies this summer with a character named Proxima in the Disney universe. So Lady Proxima, Proxima Lady Midnight. Proxima. Yeah, it does seem like they get a little Very wrapped strange. up on one thing. I, I mean, it, it, it's just me nitpicking. But I don't have a problem with her getting wrecked by Black, Pan, or Black uh, Widow or anything like that. I think maybe they're a little underdeveloped, but they're the baddies henchmen. But when the main bad is so good, I can forgive a lot Ooh, of that. I like that. Very true. I'm going to hit two points here. One, I think people forget that when Black Widow is taking down Proxima Midnight with Ogi, they are using the same technology. She has a staff that was taken from Corvus Glaive in the earlier scenes. That's right. Also, Vision was ambushed. I mean, you know, you're, you're out on a date, you're talking to your girlfriend, all of a sudden there is a spike through your chest. That's a lot different than being literally on a battlefield. Yeah. Now, Anthony Mackie's gone on and said, I love what you just brought up, Joe, about that scene. We saw a beautiful tactical strike where Black Widow, Falcon, Cap, his 
returning scene in the film coming together to kick the ass of Corvus Glaive and Proxima The Secret Midnight. Avengers. The Secret Avengers. That's what I'm talking about. Anthony Mackie has now just gone out and said, yeah, you know, a lot of stuff reshuffled around uh, because of the film, obviously because of its length, that they did shoot some B-roll footage of them out doing badass missions, just the three of them, which he called Secret Avengers-esque. Would you like to see that in the film? Yes and no. I would like to see that in the film, but I would like to see that expanded upon in the future. Um, The Marvel Comics universe is so rich that the movies can cherry-pick moments that, you know, will come at different points. Like, Secret Avengers is a team I would love to see expanded upon. I don't know if we necessarily need it right now because Infinity War is such a big cosmic level event, but moving forward, I would love to get to see Secret Avengers, maybe with Bucky uh, replacing Cap, you know, some Hawkeye thrown into the mix as well. Coulson, you know, could be in there as well. They're all members of Secret Avengers in the comics. Well, I'll give my opinion now on the Children of Thanos. Uh, I don't have too many complaints about the CG effects. I think story-wise, we've got a huge missed opportunity here. We've got Nebula's relationship with Gamora. We know they're both children of Thanos, and yet they never come across the four members introduced, the Black Order, in the film Infinity War. Why miss out on that? Why not show a developing relationship from their childhood? Again, it just feels like one of those things where, like I said before, I would sit through a four-hour movie. Uh, When you you have to make a a two-hour and 15-minute long movie, you're going to have to lose certain stuff to keep function moving. Yeah, that's what they're dealing with. I mean, I think Last Jedi was a lot longer than this film. That was pushing three hours, if I'm not mistaken, right? So what they did with two hours and 15 minutes was really, really impressive. The way they economized all these different characters. I was, I was amazed. Obviously, there's missed opportunities, but there's missed opportunities in every film. So, Yeah, like we've complained about the runtime for Captain America on screen. It's only six minutes. While you're watching it, it doesn't feel that way. He feels bigger than six minutes. That's yeah, for sure. a very I was pretty shocked when I read that. Yeah, when you actually look at the numbers, because he does, you know, he's only showing up really in Wakanda and stuff. And actually, I want to mention Wakanda. That was a huge risk for them to take because they had to have been filming this before Black Panther came out, before oh, those numbers came true, in. Very true. To put the biggest action set piece, arguably, besides like the fight with Thanos in space. It's like huge. You have so many characters, all the aliens pushing through the barrier. To put that in Wakanda, make that as such a fulcrum for the you know climax of this film. What if Black Panther failed? Like they put a lot of faith in that film, and that's like pretty cool that they just stuck to it, and it paid off. I mean, they've done such a good job of building this world that like even you know if Black Panther wouldn't have done as well, they wouldn't have stopped. I think from featuring it in this film, like. They, they're not afraid to embrace their failures like General Thaddeus Ross, character I love in the comic books, uh, was featured in the first Edward Norton a Hulk movie, brought back for Civil War and brought back again for Infinity War. That's right. And we've seen that attitude of a lack of fear really coming from the top management, of course. Kevin Feige, the producer of this entire universe who's put it together, was at a producer's conference this weekend where he revealed, uh, you know, back in the day, he worked on a number of DC uh, comic book movies as a, uh, as a assistant over there. And he said after Superman 4, the quest for peace, a very famous bomb at the, uh, at the box office, that he left that film thinking about a Superman 5. You know, he does not focus on the failures. And if the elements of Wakanda had been negatively received, 
he doesn't necessarily sweep that under the rug as a failure immediately. He, he sort of embraces things that he's seen as weaknesses in the universe as well. I mean, I think moving forward, he will definitely be studied by film uh, kids the rest of our lives. I mean, I think generations Very moving true. forward will look to him as a, a guiding force for kind of the birth of the new blockbuster. Yeah, which, and the power of a producer. Yeah, and beyond the scope of, of Infinity War, just talking movies in general and how they're affected by Infinity War, I think we're going to see kind of the birth of the new blockbuster. The expectation is that you've followed these universes to a culminating point. I mean, and so do we think that that is the future. You have to have a universe now. You have to have this larger thing because people have tried to replicate it. Look at the Universal Monster Universe. The dark universe. The We've dark... seen a lot of failures, Mike. That's a very interesting question. And of yeah. course, DC with Warner Brothers is having a bit of a struggle connecting their properties out. They've made the claim that they're going to focus more on solo outings uh, to maybe differentiate themselves from Marvel. Which that's what Marvel did originally. Yeah, that is how they built up their universe. I don't know, Mike, I, I personally think we will not see a continuation of cinematic universes. I think some other trend will come along because the replication process has just been so lackluster. I mean, when it's something that takes 10 years to build, you can't, you can't do it overnight. What's the payback on the investment? Yeah. You're absolutely right. You, you can't ch chase a trend when the trend is 10 years ahead. But just to, to hit it real quick, and I think this is important to say, as a podcast, as fans, we are not Marvel vs. DC people. I love DC Comics just the way I love Marvel Comics. I like some of these DC films as well. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important to note because a lot of times i think people are like oh you're just a marvel fanboy you don't like the dc books i love dc comics batman is one of my favorite characters of all time i think ben affleck is doing an incredible job he's just been in some shitty movies unfortunately yeah and you have to look at the bigger picture and you have to say that this truly will like you said be something that is studied as quite the achievement down the line i mean a third film almost two billion dollars at the box office uh, in the Avengers franchise, and, and each of them are now pretty much claiming the top 10 highest grossing films of all time. So it, you have to give it up to Marvel here, folks. You mentioned that it's the third Avengers film. I think that's worth noting because the first time we saw the gauntlet and the stones really being discussed heavily was in uh, Age of Ultron. You know, we see Thor's vision and uh, the, the Mind Stone coming out of the scepter and being put into Vision's head. The birth of Vision, yeah, of course. One thing I want to note um, about this, and I want to ask you guys too, is like, how do we feel like about the overall Thanos motivation? Like, is it the, I mean, we talked about is he the best villain, you know, but I just think it's so good. Like, he's willing to sacrifice. None of the heroes are. We don't trade lives, but he fucking does. And that's why he succeeds. I don't care if it's a job or relationship, whatever. If you don't sacrifice something, you're going to fail. That's what he's fucking saying. And that's why he gets what he wants. You know, we've seen some uh, criticisms about the, uh, the motivations, certainly. I, I, I feel you there, Mike, um, about the simplicity of it. You know, only an idiot would think in such absolute terms is a, well, what a lot of fanboys are saying now about, oh, he wants to half the universe. That doesn't necessarily mean there will be enough resources for that half left. That's such a simplistic view. He is called the Mad Titan. I mean, there is a reason. He is mad. <laughs> Extreme 
uh, conditions and measures have to be taken, and that's how he views it. And that's what a radical would do, and I think he portrays that incredibly. Well, you know, I mean, we see him tell his tragic backstory. I mean, he had to watch his people die. But Mike, I think you really hit the, the nail on the head there sacrifice is the theme of this movie exactly and it's nice to see a blockbuster film i know everyone doesn't agree but like last jedi infinity war where these themes are really heavily hit you know like last jedi it was failure infinity war it's sacrifice you really see them nailing down these big themes inside of a blockbuster film it's not just fanfare there's a lot more depth to these characters and that gives it emotional weight and now that we're lauding how great of a thing this was, let me undercut it. <laughs> you see, in 1966, Star Trek Season 1, Episode 12, The Conscience of the King, Kirk encounters a guy named Kodos, kind of sounds like Thanos, and he kills half of his population because they don't have resources. And Kirk confronts him and says, you slaughtered all these people. He says, I killed 4,000 so that 4,000 may live. Wow! How about I that? Did not know that. Mike. I don't know if it's a full bite, but it is a uh, Kodos Thanos. It's, it's kind of similar. In the next segment, we'll be getting into a little bit of the history of Jim Starlin. It sounds like that's something he might have uh, seen when he was younger. That doesn't take anything away from what they accomplished in this film, though. Let me make that very clear. Infinity War is an amazing piece of work. It took eighteen films to get there, and by God, I love it. Is it? Is it your favorite? Uh, MCU film because I'll go ahead and say it's not mine. I'm curious to hear. I want to hear everybody's favorite. I will say off the bat, it is not my favorite. It's definitely my favorite Avengers film. I can say that for That's sure. Fair. Blows away Age of Ultron now. And even for as much as Avengers or Avengers Assemble as it's known over in Europe, the first film uh, did it just it makes it look so basic just with what it can pull off. I oh, mean, you dealt with some aliens? Yeah, well, no, just the idea of it's such an achievement to bring four characters together that the world's never seen. Four characters? How about 20 characters? I mean, that is incredible. And give them all agency and not feel like wasted <laughs> plot points. Hello, Last Jedi. I'm talking to you. Oh, oh. Shots fired. Sorry, guys. It's Fan, just... Fans are going to be clamoring for that Last Jedi. <laughs> I've got a, I got a thing on the wrap-up, buddy, let me just say. But this film, it's not my favorite MCU film. But um, it's my favorite blockbuster I've seen in at least a decade. Oh, well, let's hear it wow. real quick. Uh, can I get favorite MCU films from the hosts of this podcast, my fellow normies here, and just a, a one-sentence wrap-up of why? I'm between either Black Panther or Spider-Man. Ooh, um, the recent ones. I think Spider-Man Homecoming, just because we don't have to do an origin story, and it puts Spider-Man out of his element. He's in the air, not around buildings. It really pushes him to his limit, and it's just so like grounded in blue collar. Oh, Mike, I just fell in love with you all over Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Hey. Please, baby. Joe, Joe let's Glenn hear Stacey. from you. Uh, it's got to be Winter Soldier. Uh, in my opinion, Captain America Winter Soldier captures the essence of a character better than we've seen in any, any other MCU movie. And it also has an appropriate level of stakes. Superhero movies have a tendency to make things a little too grandiose. I think Winter Soldier does a good job of keeping it where it needs to be for the character. I love that. And definitely uh, maybe a common sentiment. Maybe one of the higher praised films, Winter Soldier, certainly by a lot of the fans. Yeah. Well, very mature. Even in terms of like comic book fans, I mean, you're going to see a lot more elements played out like the Ed Brubaker story is exactly what you see on screen. I mean, who the hell is Bucky? Great, great, great comic line. Great fight choreography as well. You got to throw it out to that film. Uh, I'll tell you guys my favorite. Yep. Iron Man 3. 
Iron Man 3? What I is wrong Man with you? Three. Now, I know that's kind of a controversial decision. I think he meant to say Iron Man 1. <laughs> no, never. No, it's Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3, okay. So some fans say that uh, the twist with the Mandarin, uh, it kind of undoes it was that film for him. I don't see that. You know, uh, again, I was a fan of these comic books as a children. I know the Mandarin's lore. Look, it's complicated and confusing. I don't really need it's that. It's not that great either. Here's why I like Iron Man 3. Shane Black is a mature screenwriter. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, you know, that's a, a wonderful pulp, incredible feature. Uh, and he brings some of that sophistication to the Marvel Universe in a great complexity. It deals with the PTSD that Tony feels after going in space in Avengers. And it grounds itself in incredible locations that me, a guy who lives in Los Angeles, can feel. I mean, the, one of the opening scenes is blowing up the Chinese Grauman Theater. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, you were there last week. Exactly. Uh, I, I did actually think Mandarin was fun. Uh, what's funny about also that is, uh, for obviously Marvel films are huge overseas, especially in China. They had to adjust his name to be Man Space Darren. Oh, interesting. It couldn't be the Mandarin. It had to be Man Darren. So all the film is just Man Darren. Sure, sort That's of an it. uncomfortable uh, connotation otherwise. Yeah. There are also specific scenes that were added uh, to that film that went overseas that were not featured here. In ours. And that's a trend we're going to see going forward as overseas returns more money to these films than even domestic. I mean, you look at some films that are considered flops here still do well overseas. So It's all about that money. Yeah, and that's true. This is America. Infinity War is a singularity of cinematic elegance. You know, like how do you tie all of this together and now what do they do they have to simplify we're going to get the climax but you can't keep going up how much bigger do you go half the universe is gone what else can you do well how do they go forward i mean with something like ant-man and the wasp such a small film and something that they've sort of had to come out and say the producers and makers oh it's set just a little bit before infinity war because obviously we all have a thousand questions following the last scene so how does Marvel keep that momentum going with such a tiny film coming up next? I mean, that's kind of where this timeline stuff comes into question. Like, if you're making a cinematic universe, you know, like, how does this affect Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? How does this affect the Defenders on the Netflix uh, series? You know, when you're, when you're working on this scale, you're doing a lot. So I think this is really the time where Marvel has to prove that they've got it all figured out, that they are the masterminds that we all think they are. Um, but Ooh, I think interesting. They might have to earn that for you, Joe, huh? Yeah. I mean, like if you're going to, if you're going to say it's all connected, put your money where your mouth is. You show me via agents of shield that it's actually connected. You know, if you've got the balls, go ahead and kill off some of your main characters for a season. Tell me how it goes. Yeah. that's pretty bold. And that's true. I mean, I feel like they proved to me that they've done a lot, but you definitely have to go to a more granular level after this new Avengers, something they've, they've set the bar. And, you know, Mike, like you just said, New Avengers. I would love to see that. As we're coming to the end of our, our film section of the podcast here, let's take a look forward. Avengers 4, still untitled. What are you guys looking for? What do you want to see that we didn't get in Infinity War? How do you want to see this all wrap up and move forward? You know, there's a lot of interesting theories about what it might be about, uh, if it might be very Infinity Gauntlet oriented. You know, there's a lot of rumors now that maybe Tony sets out to correct the mistakes of this film after some time has passed. He'd put together his own Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, I personally was shocked by the sacrifice that the Stole Stone uh, incorporated in this film. That, to me, means... 
Who would Tony sacrifice? Is that something where we're going to see Steve disappear? I don't know. So it makes me nervous. He doesn't care about Steve. <laughs> well, not after Civil War. But again, I want to see those relationships form. So it makes me nervous about what the characters are going to do in the next film, having lost so many, the places that they'll be in uh, mentally, certainly. Um, and I'm just nervous how we're going to get our favorites back. I just want to see Spider-Man in it. And am I going to get to see him featured a lot in it if he's turned into dust? I don't know. Bring me pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> That's right. Well, we got him on Twitter now for the uh, production <laughs> That's stills. That's right, yeah. I, I, there's rumors that Ant-Man and the Wasp might go into the quantum realm, which has to do with time travel. That might have something to do. Also, we got teased for Captain Marvel. Let's not skip yeah, the, over that. Post-cred post scene. And right. yeah, I guess it's important to hit this. We will see Captain Marvel as a film. And that's set in the 90s. Before uh, Avengers 4. Yeah. So that's set in the 90s. Uh, features Coulson. It's bringing back Ronan, who was the villain of the first Galaxy or Guardians of the Galaxy film. So yeah, Mike, that's important to reference. We're going to see Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then we're going to see Captain Marvel, and then we are back with Avengers 4. And the big question everyone has is, where is Hawkeye? I mean, he's our favorite. <laughs> we love him. We miss him. And so we're going to have two people named Ronin. Oh, very true. Yeah, it's important to hit. I think we yeah. might see uh, Hawkeye take up the mantle of Ronin after yeah. his family disintegrates, maybe? I hope not. I mean, who knows? Could be. Um... I just hope that, um, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, they might open up some more questions. The only way you're going to get people to see that movie is if it's like, ooh, they go back in time and then people are. If he goes to the quantum realm and they introduce time travel with that, then it's like, here's how we solve Avengers. That post-cred scene is going to be so telling. You know, I, once Ant-Man and the Wasp is over, are we going to see Wasp dissipate? Are we going to see Ant-Man ooh, dissipate? Very good call. Something's going to happen. That post-cred scene is going to set the pace for uh the mcu moving forward and it's definitely maybe going to tease a scene for avengers 4 so be on the lookout for that but Absolutely. joe what are your thoughts what are you kind of hoping to see in avengers 4 or i guess maybe expecting to see um i don't want to say what i'm expecting to see because with infinity war they totally subverted those expectations so i think it's kind of silly to think Anything I say is going to be right. Very true. Um, like, I think the quantum realm stuff that people are bringing up, the time travel stuff that people are bringing up, it makes a lot of sense. Maybe we'll see it. I'm not putting my money in that corner. I, I feel like it might be too confusing for audiences. I don't I, know if they'd go down that route. I think they're going to have some sort of streamlined, way smarter explanation that we're not thinking of right now. Um, the real thing I want to see is if this was Iron, Man mo Iron Man's movie, I want to see Captain America's movie. I want to see Steve Rogers pick up Mjolnir is a, Ooh, interesting. a, a fan thing that I think we're going to see in the next one. Um, I want to see a good send off for the Gen 1 Avengers that are definitely going to be leaving the screen. You know, as people who track the trades and stuff, we know that this Avengers 4 is the last outing for Chris Evans as Captain America. I want to see a good send off. Um, I want to see the Avengers assemble. And please, for the love of God, say the fucking line. <laughs> please, finally. Just say, Avengers assemble. Yeah, they have not said that yet, right? No, it was teased uh, at, at the, the end, end of, Age of, of Age of Ultron. So much so that even when they were filming the scene, Joss told Chris Evans, do not say the word. Don't even say it after we cut. Because if you say it after we cut, it's going to leak. It's going to end up somewhere. I just don't even want you to say it. Wow, it's that that high level priority. 
I think that I would love to see, yeah, moving forward, we're going to have to reboot and start at ground level. I would like to see the same Spider-Man, see the same T'Challa, and I want the X-Men in there. That's what I'm Ooh, saying. I'd like that too. Do you think it'll be the last time we see Tony Stark? I would be okay with that. Pass the torch. Yeah, fuck Tony Stark. I couldn't care less about him. Um, <laughs> we're going to miss you, Robert. <laughs> yeah, I love Robert Downey Thank Jr. Thank you for all you've done. That's true. I do. I love Robert Downey Jr. so much more than I love Tony Stark. Give him a statue in New York. Yeah, and let him Something be. Something end on his wedding. I mean, it's got to be a huge send-off, we'd hope, after all he's done for these films. I mean, we don't even know if Pepper disappeared or not. God, so that's who knows true. um mike you said something very interesting about spider-man and new avengers they have announced that the sequel to homecoming uh which will have jake gyllenhaal taking up the role of mysterio Ooh. which he almost took over for toby Maguire in spider-man yeah we'll definitely have to hit you guys with a spider-man we'll episode. have spider-man episodes yeah um but they have announced that Spider-Man 2 or, or Homecoming 2, whatever you want to call it, will be the kickoff for the next phase. Uh, Ooh, that's a lot oh, of weight wow. for Spidey's shoulders. It wow, is, yeah, really? It's kind of showing that like it's not going to be on Iron Man. It's not going to be on Captain America. We're going to see characters like Doctor Strange, the Guardians, uh, Black Panther, and Spider-Man. They're all going to carry a lot more weight. Yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp, them as well. We're going to see a shift in the characters we follow. Well, as we're about to wrap up here, our uh, film segment, I want to ask you, if you were an Avenger, and answer honestly, who would you be? Mm. Uh, I would be Ant-Man if I can go first, because... Ooh, there you go. I just, a uh, charismatic guy, and uh, I'm not too, uh, not too important. Family man. Family man, you know. I keep it simple, and I like Pez. <laughs> um... Yeah, you know, Spidey always ends up doing something dumb that gets him killed. I feel like that's where I'd be. There you go. You know, trying to do the right thing a little <laughs> in over my head, for and sure. Of course, I'm the cocky asshole in a tracksuit, Quicksilver, who's running around getting shot. <laughs> so that was Infinity Wars Normies. Uh, stick around. We're going to be talking the comic books and the video games based on that property as well. Coming up next. So we're talking all about Infinity War. Obviously, Infinity War is a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Marvel Cinematic Universe based on the Marvel comics. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the cosmic side of Marvel comics. Colin, I know you're a huge fan of some of these uh, cosmic characters. How do you feel about Thanos being thrown into the mix? Oh my god, I loved it. Uh, it's very interesting to see the development that Marvel has done to push itself from the films, from a grounded, real gritty response to the world with things like Captain America, and uh, even Ant-Man, you know, really trying to ground things to the state, the self, you know, the Earth. And uh, they've really done an incredible job of dwelling up the cosmic side through the Guardians of the Galaxy, where we've seen characters like Thanos start out. And uh, they've had incredible characters like Gamora, all created by Jim Starlin. Now, he's a man who created popular Marvel characters we haven't seen in the films yet, like Adam Warlock, uh, but characters we have seen like Thanos, Gamora, Nebula. Uh, a lot of the uh, interesting cosmic characters who have a lot of pathos and a lot of interesting character traits to them and seem a little more human than you would actually give them credit to be. Yeah, and Jim Starlin, not to, to fangirl out too much, but is such an icon for the comic industry in general. Uh, he was born in the late 40s, early 50s, 
as a young man was in the Vietnam War as a photographer. He would spend his time taking pictures and basically submitting to comic book companies while he was out there and really popularized the the space opera in comic books. You know, we weren't really seeing these cosmic entities as popular until we got Jim Starlin's stories. While the film is called Infinity War and there is a comic of Infinity War, it's mostly based on Infinity Gauntlet, I would say. Colin, do you agree with Absolutely, that? Absolutely, which is a huge crossover event for Marvel back in the day. Uh, and I would say it first steals elements from uh, the sort of origin of, of Thanos' motivations from the comic miniseries right before that, a two-issue run called Thanos Quest. Oh, uh, that's Thanos right. Thanos Quest was about him acquiring the Infinity Stones, known, of course, in uh, comic terms as the Infinity Gems. Uh, Kevin Feige would go on to sort of make it a little easier for audiences by calling them the Infinity Stones. Mm. But Thanos would go up against the Elders of the Universe, which are characters we actually see in the Marvel Universe, a couple of them, the Grand Master and the Collector, uh, who have both appeared in Thor Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy, are Elders of the Universe. Yeah, and these are eternal beings that are, are way older than they let on. And I've loved what they've done with uh, Jeff Goldblum's performance in Ragnarok and uh, Benicio, Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro Yeah, in the Guardians films. There have been really good adaptations of these really hard to wrap your head around characters. But even then, I think you see that that 70s uh, vibe going into their characters. I mean, just look at their costuming. Oh, look at their costuming and look at their names. You know, Thanos Quest features him going up against all the elders, the gardener, the runner, who are sort of these cosmic protectors of each individual stones. And the way Thanos goes about it, I mean, is really uh, brought to the film world. It's not like he's just a smash and grab bruiser. No, we see him engaging in these very uh, intense battle of wits or very long, drawn out conversational exchanges with these elders to sort of get the stones on his term. We see him literally playing a metaphysical game of chess against the Grandmaster to obtain his stone or uh, chasing the runner and outwitting him just through a, a simple logic problem to get his stone as well. Yeah, and these are, you know, again, the podcast covers from, from niche to normie. This is some of the more niche stuff, these old 70s cosmic comics. Yeah, and as a normie to the comics, it's fascinating for me to hear like that Thanos had these kind of uh, deeper elements to him, and the way he solved his problems wasn't just he punch, you know? <laughs> he would, you know, outwit someone. He would, you know, it was, it was brains and brawn together, and uh, that's something... That would be cool to uh, see explored. No, and I'll tell you, as a fan who might be a little more normie watching these films, I think you would also get a kick out of looking at the character designs, Mike. Uh, like, Ego's character is a visual representation of the gardener from this uh, exact run of Thanos Quest. Really? Yeah, they've done a really good job of creating Easter eggs for fans. Like, uh, for example, in Infinity Gauntlet, it is Silver Surfer who first encounters Thanos and crashes to Earth in Doctor Strange's uh, Sanctorum and says, Thanos is coming. That exact moment is recreated line for line, panel for panel in the film with Bruce Banner. Oh, an incredible sequence. Right. Really appreciated seeing that from the film. And of course, we get little changes. Uh, jumping to Infinity Gauntlet, uh, there's so much metaphysical stuff that's done in there. Thanos' motivations uh, for balancing half the universe, you might be surprised to hear, actually come from his relationship with death. 
and I mean that very truly, his love of the female represented character of Death. That's right. In the Marvel comics, Death is a person, a woman who Thanos is head over heels in love with. But Thanos isn't the only one who has fallen for Death in the comic books. I mean, hell, even Deadpool has had a relationship with Death. Yeah, you might find that to be a little surprising. It's a pretty good give and take that they've actually brought up in recent comic runs. Thanos chases after Death while Death chases after Deadpool. Wow, what? That is... That's something you can only Yeah, that about, really right? blows your mind, right? Well, because you got to think about it. I mean, he's the one who got away for right. her. And yeah. Unavailable assassin. Deadpool and got away. You're right. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a very pretty remarkable fun. exchange in the comics. But what I love about Infinity War, the film, is uh, you would, again, be shocked to see an appearance crossover. We meet someone called the Stonekeeper. This is Red Skull, metaphysically transformed from interacting with the Tesseract and Captain America to the guardian of the soul stone on Nidavar, I believe. Yeah, and once again, we have a hooded figure with a red face. We're talking Solo and Infinity War. <laughs> they love repeating tropes. I'm, a little Disney crossover there. I'm just saying, anyway. But like even uh, the planet name that, that he is guarding this stone on, uh, in the comic books, that's a Kree outpost. I mean, like it's been referenced. Everything that, that appears in the MCU has been so well-researched Every single thing ties into the comics at some point. I'm most familiar with the Kree. They interact with the X-Men, right? They kind of replace people, Yeah, absolutely. People, right? they, uh, yeah, you know them from uh, the Kree Cyclops' War. dad. Yeah, exactly, like right. It, moving forward in the MCU, we're going to see the Kree and the Skrull in a war, which has been covered in the comic books from a handful of different angles. But that's going to be uh, kind of the basis of the Captain Marvel film, we believe. And we think oh, a little bit about uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix coming up. Uh, uh, we'll get some more info this summer. Uh, seems like they're going to be a little interactive with the Kree as well in that film. Yeah, because the, the thing, and you know, the rights are kind of all over the place but like scroll you can use scroll as an alien race you just can't use super scroll you which can't is say the names yeah a, a villain who can like control all the elements of the fantastic four basically they're not going to use that they're just going to keep them as the scroll this, this alien this race alien race i mean kind of like the chitari were in the original uh avengers film which were a creation of joss whedon and first featured in astonishing x-men hmm well, I want to bring it back to, and then we see that red-faced stonekeeper, the yes. red skull himself. I mean, again, a hooded figure with a skull face. That is the representation of death in the Infinity Gauntlet comic books. Obviously, again, we're seeing very subtle mirroring from the comic books into the cinematic universe in sort of a more understanding way. Uh, you can't have a big purple Hamburglar say that he is in love with death itself. You can give him the motivations that he needs to balance the universe and then translate that character to someone we've seen in the past in the films. And I think they did that very effectively. Oh, yeah. And just to get the throwback to Red Skull as a character, I mean, it was so satisfying as a fan to see this pay off after what, from 2011 to 2018? So, so seven years waiting we'll to see that. what happened with the Red Skull. So he's been gone since Captain America 1, right? Since technically like the late 40s, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Too interesting. Yeah. Indiana Jones was running around a little bit after that. <laughs> exactly. Chasing after him. Right. In in my fan universe, uh, Indiana Jones was one of the Howling Commandos. Yeah, but it would all match up. Killing Nazis. There we go. So I'll bring up another comic point uh, of a different translation. A different comic book that they're adapting and bringing up in this film is in a, a comic book by Jonathan Hickman that came out a few years ago called Infinity. 
This is a Marvel Now That's run right, yeah. and uh, an event comic that I actually collected myself. Love this run. It saw Thanos coming to Earth after most of the Avengers had left on a different cosmic mission, chasing down one of his sons, uh, an actual child of Thanos, not necessarily how the film itself characterizes what that means. And we see a lot of these elements crossed over. The Battle of Wakanda lifted directly from that, as well as the introduction of the Black Order. Exactly. And those are characters that, like, while they're wrapping Infinity War in the Infinity Gauntlet story from the 70s, they're pulling in these elements that are way more modern. The Children of Thanos, the Black Order, Ebony Maw, Corvus Glaive. Yeah, Ebony Maw as the advisor to Thanos, a little easier to comprehend than Mephisto, which it was in the Infinity Gauntlet uh, run, which was a representation for Satan and the leader of hell, sort of an interdimensional demon. Uh, again, it's something that an audience might struggle with a little bit more. Yeah, you're going to lose the Christian base. <laughs> exactly. But Mephisto has had such an impact on the Marvel comics as an ingenious general like spider-man has made deals with the devil before and Ooh, don't bring that Mephisto. up Joe. we'll get to that when we do a Some spider-man big surprise from, from fans because of that so it seems to me that infinity war you know has been an amalgam of all of these like great things that happened during these various comic runs they're just kind of piecemeal the best stuff and then serve you up a uh, delicious uh, meal Exactly. It really was taking all of the elements that would transfer cinematically right. uh, to the screen from the books. And like, not to bring it back to Jim Starlin, but like, there are a lot of comparisons in terms of uh, Apocalypse and Dark Side on the DC spectrum of, of things. Jim Starlin had a hand in those characters as well. I mean, this guy was a legend in the, uh, the world. Yeah, we're talking in the original days when he was creating Thanos, uh, he wanted to create a cerebral villain to, to fight against the Avengers who might encompass all their threats. He based it on a DC New Gods character Jack Kirby had created called Metron was a very skinny sort of wimpy man who sat in a chair and again used his mind to confront the dc heroes uh stan lee came to him and said look if you're gonna rip off uh, these characters rip off dark side the big bad of the dc universe who did come out before thanos because he okay. said i want this character to look badass and interesting so uh, we do see some of that crossover and it is interesting that jim starlin had a, a hand in both these universes who it's interesting to note, while he doesn't necessarily love Marvel for a handful of reasons and while working for a big company as a creator isn't always the easiest, he loved the performance that Josh Brolin brought to Thanos. I mean, he was blown away in uh, a handful of social media posts. He made a point to talk about how much he loved that performance. He has complained and gone on record, though, saying he did create Jason Todd, the very popular Robin character in the DC universe, and has gone on record saying that he has been paid more for appearances from DC for that character than for them using Drax, Gamora, Thanos, and everything else. So Yeah, I mean, he literally let's was... Let's pay the, our creators there, Marvel. Wow. Yeah, he was the birth of the cosmic universe for Marvel. They would not have any of that shit if it wasn't for him. Yeah, you'd hope they'd pay that for just a little more than they are. Yeah, yeah. Including, like, Colin, I know you're a big fan of the the cosmic side of things of marvel even the new nova books you want to touch on that a little bit oh gigantic fan of that and in that world we are seeing uh some interesting crossovers jeff loeb created the first run of that character
character, Sam Alexander, the new Nova. But we see some drawing from the film universe. The first thing he goes up against is the Chitauri army referenced in the first Avengers film. So again, you're seeing how these comic books are being influenced by the movies, the movies influenced by the comic books. It all comes full circle. And I would love to see Sam Alexander make his way to the MCU. Colin and I have talked a million times about how we would introduce that Normies, reach out to us, please. This is a character we love. Let us know. A young Latino male, a fan casted folks. Uh, Let us know who you would cast as that role. Yeah, I mean, it's just a great, you know, a touch of diversity to the Marvel Universe and bringing life to a character that, as opposed to like the 1970s, I mean, he was just kind of left. We had Reed Ryder. That was it. I mean, it was it was kind of left in the dust for a very long time. Yeah, unfortunately. Meanwhile, we could now be having what's essentially Spider-Man in space. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's where the movie franchise goes. Love to see that. I mean, that's definitely something that I think the universe is lacking, quite frankly. And while the cosmic stuff might not be my favorite, I know it's a lot of fans' favorites. And I think, again, like the, the 70s influence has seen... James Gunn obviously selected a lot of the the soundtrack based on, I think an understanding of where these comics came from because James Gunn is first and foremost a comics fan. And going forward with the Marvel uh, Universe, with the comics that they're writing now, we're seeing a lot of things like Infinity Conquest and Infinity Buildup. A lot of these new cosmic comic books building towards gathering the Infinity Gems. They've retconned them now to be called Infinity Stones in the comics and set them to the colors of the movies. Which are different. I mean, that is incredibly different. So it will be interesting to see going forward how the Marvel comic books uh, embrace this new side that the films opened up for them. And I think it's worth talking about now as we're winding down in the podcast here, the influence of the comics and the movies it's really a a circular relationship if you liked infinity war you liked it for probably one of two reasons right you either liked the cosmic elements and bringing it into a wider universe or you liked the idea of an event comic colin i would say we are living in the age of event comics do you think that's fair to say oh anytime we see these big avengers films if it has the title of a team-up movie that is what they're going for they're trying to give you the biggest bang for your buck which is exactly what these comic books did back in the day i mean when people bought infinity gauntlet it was to see hulk and captain america and war machine come together kick ass and uh that might be where these movies are heading down the line yeah more i mean we're even seeing that rehashed in the comic universe where like you know we we had secret wars and then two years ago they basically remade secret wars it was a totally different story uh but it took the same title we've seen civil war 2 in the comic books i mean if you're interested in event films you might be interested in these event comics that take these major characters and tie them all together you can check those out now. You don't have to wait a year or two years. No, exactly. absolutely. And we'll tweet out some leaks, guys. Be on the lookout for that. But that was comics related to Marvel's Infinity War. Stay tuned now. We're going to be talking about video games that deal with the same material. that was the movie we talked comics now it's time to talk video games the last point in our holy trinity of pop culture and marvel comics have had a long history of video games where do we all feel about marvel 
in games. Well, very interestingly, the first game that sort of directly uh, adapts Infinity Gauntlet, again, which was the basis that Infinity War mostly fell under, was a video game called Marvel Superheroes, and I know that's very generic, but from Capcom, released in October 1995 for Super Nintendo. Oh, we we played through that we Super Nintendo that. game uh, a couple years uh, ago. Some pretty great sprites, you know, pretty uh, straightforward uh, button mash, punch them up, but you go along, you beat bosses, and you get the infinity gems, and eventually you go up against Thanos, which is exactly what I would want in one of these video games. And you get white vision in that, right? You do. Which is interesting to note, uh... In the movie, we see him lose his color once he loses his That's gym. right. Oh, That's beautiful right. Easter egg, Joe. Um, put that together. Yeah, so here's a little Easter That's egg. That's niche for you normies. <laughs> <laughs> he he loses his humanity at one point in Just the like comics. And he goes hollow, and yeah. he becomes black and white. So it was cool to see that uh, referenced in the movie, though. They actually showed that. Sort of like when Deadpool got his gray costume in the Deadpool film. It's like, yeah. that happens? Back. Yes, just oh, for a brief moment. Fuck. He gets covered Sorry, in dude. and an incredible oh, Easter egg. And they give him the, the X-Force costume. Oh, uh, I feel so bad. No, oh, very I love cool. it. No, don't. I should have seen that movie already. It's uh, you should have seen it by now. I haven't seen it. Oh, I'm so sorry, though. Um, Marvel and Capcom have had a long-standing relationship because obviously we have Marvel versus Capcom, the fighting games as well. And, you know, Capcom, and what's fun about video game companies is a lot of times, uh, the license holders like Marvel will be giving them more freedom to explore storylines that existed in the comics than they would for a film. So you got to see like that Infinity Gauntlet storyline there. Oh, absolutely. And in the video game Marvel War of the Gems, which was a precursor of the Marvel versus Capcom games, another storyline featuring comic book characters coming together to acquire the gems and this would actually be the first video game in which i would see a character named thanos uh <laughs> using at the time and i have no idea why this was abilities to attack players with bubbles which was pretty much all he That's did a so JoJo. i kind of saw him as an underwater character for some reason was very confused about that but again in infinity war we see him use bubbles as a kind of taunt against star lord he does he that can't kill oh that's very Gamora. true i really wonder if that is a tie into that very good pick i highly doubt it but it's a very good coincidence but it's 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 headcanon it was a very interesting button masher, very straightforward side-by-side uh, -side fighting game. It was also the first time I saw characters like Blackheart, which is a Doctor Strange villain, the son yeah, of Mephisto, a character we mentioned before you do not see much of. Shuma Gorov, uh, a Doctor Strange villain, uh, and a lot of very strange, interesting characters. Uh, highly recommend that. Obviously, with a lot of these games, you can get them on ports or emulations. That's a great way to track them down, to try them out. But if you want to try a more recent game, I even recommend something like Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, which featured very heavily a storyline with the Marvel characters coming together with the Capcom characters to go against Ultron, a villain we've seen in the Marvel Universe, and of course, Marvel Age of Ultron, and to use the Infinity Gems against him, where Thanos is portrayed more as a hero of the story and actually a playable character. Yeah, that game has spawned a wild success in terms of like pop figures and downloads. It's done very well. Uh, friend of the cast, X Kaita, even gave me the Black Panther uh, pop figure, oh, which wow. is like royal garb. He's got a cape, which is a good throwback to some of the older versions of the character. All purple suit. Very nice. That's from the game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, those those games, Marvel vs. Capcom, are so hugely popular, so it makes sense that 
you know, they're going to bring in more comic book elements. But it's funny to see Ultron being more powerful than Thanos. That's kind of laughable. It is an interesting combination. He combines together with Sigma, which is a very popular enemy character of the Mega Man universe. So two robots oh coming together God. to really overthrow uh, the balance there. Very interesting plot. Sigma and Ultron. Ultron is a very powerful character that... Uh, Kind of got the shaft in the movie. I only saw him in the movie. That's maybe why I gave him a short stick. Might hurt a little. I, I like the performance in the movie. I know a lot of people don't, but in the comics, I mean, he is the the end all be all. A little of more Earth menacing baddies. than James Spader. Yeah, but okay. fucking love James Spader's performance. Well, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, very interesting storyline as well. I would push uh, a lot of our listeners to go to YouTube, maybe if they would like to watch the cinematics collected into a bit of a small movie. Uh, you get uh, a lot of extra Marvel material there, but it also follows the storyline that I think we're going to maybe see down this road of Captain Marvel being an incredibly important and powerful character and actually going up against and defeating Thanos in that game. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and tweet out the link for you guys. Uh, so just go ahead and follow us on social. You'll be able to see that. Colin, you make a great point with Captain Marvel, though. I think we're going to see a lot more of Carol Danvers moving forward in pop culture in general. So one of the other points that I want to bring up is how about what would you guys like for an actual licensed Marvel Infinity War video game? Because we saw the follow off here. They made Iron Man 2 into a video game, Captain America, the first Avenger into a video game, obviously Iron Man as well. Uh, but we saw that fall off if it had stayed together, maybe even if Capcom had maintained that license. What do you think we would see in a, a big, broad movie tie in video game? Well, Colin, you had mentioned uh, the first Avenger. We'll definitely talk about that more on our Captain America 4th of July episode. Ooh, I'm so excited for that patriotic deep dive we're going to take. Um, but I don't necessarily think movie tie-in for Infinity War is necessary. I think they've kind of missed the boat. I would like to see some other stuff in the Marvel Universe. But Mike, you have been teasing some E3 news all day to us. I keep trying to get it out of you off-cast. You haven't told us because you wanted it on cast. Well, now I'm excited, listeners. Come on, give it yeah, to us. Come want, on, man. But want to get honest reaction. So uh, E3 is happening now. Sony will not have their press conference until uh, Monday. It's Sunday as of recording. They have made a deal with Square Enix to make a multi-game, multi-year project. So we're not only talking... With Marvel? With Marvel and Square Enix <laughs> together. The Ooh. first project announced is Avengers... Not, not any proper title, but it's an Avengers game. Oh, my God. So we're looking at the Final Fantasy company, Square Enix, in a multi-year, multi-game deal. So now we're looking at the MVU, or the MG... Whatever they call whatever it. Whatever they call I am it. super excited. See, what I love about this is we're seeing a lot of these films influence the mobile games. Marvel has a huge uh, hand in the mobile game universe right now. There's a lot of uh, Infinity Conquest games, as we mentioned, um, Battle Arena games that you can get on your phone Puzzle that tie into Infinity War, yeah. Puzzle Quest games. Uh, but otherwise, Sony is really just killing it with the Spider-Man games. To hear this, that Square Enix is coming together for Avengers directly, like that is the property itself. That is hugely exciting. And Marvel in general. And oh it my God. throws back wait. to early days of arcade where you had the Konami X-Men games and stuff. Now we have a Japanese developer that knows how to do a multi-part franchise, Final Fantasy, obviously. They know how to do everything. Oh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, one of my favorite Square Enix video one games ever best. made. And they know how to tackle the mobile market and the console market. Oh. So they 
are going to hit all of it because you know Final Fantasy 15 had all those tie-in games on mobile. So they are locked in for multi-year, multi-games with Marvel to do Marvel games. Okay, okay, Joe, right now, tell me, what is this game going to be? Are you thinking, is it Ultimate Alliance? Is oh, it something people like People think it's going to be a reboot route? of that. Guys, If it is a on. reboot of Ultimate Alliance, you will not see or hear Colin and I for months. <laughs> I'll disappear with you. <laughs> I love that. Oh, just, just the idea of Square Enix taking the the physics of Captain America's shield and what they're going to do with it. I couldn't be more excited. But Mike, isometric just made my day. Top I'm glad down, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling about that. Maybe something like that uncompleted Avengers video game that was first person, maybe. Uh, the VR yeah, uh, something more like AR that, game. I would yeah, kind that of hope. Incredible. I don't know about a, an isometric top-down RPG if tactics it's multiple, type game. If it's multiple year and multiple levels, though, like... We're going to see some different g- stuff. Give yeah. me everything, because... Because I will buy it. I've been clamoring it's for a good drought. Marvel yeah, games. And the first right. project is uh, tentatively listed as Avengers. There might be other wow. properties, but there will be an Avengers Square Enix game. So hopefully this coming Monday at the time of recording, we're going to get some news about the Marvel tie-in because it's never been bigger. And Square Enix would be behooved to announce <laughs> what they are doing on that front. Yeah, Why this would be, be the time. Well, I couldn't be any more excited for that. And we'll definitely. And you're getting Spider Man on Sony. Oh, yeah. I get Spider Man PS4 through uh, Insomniac, is the. the Insomniac is the developer there. Yeah. Um, We'll definitely update fans more on what Square Enix actually announces. We'll tweet Uh, out what's going on. Yeah. And on our Captain America episode, 4th of July special, we'll, we'll update you on Marvel games there. I'm excited for the future of Marvel video games, guys. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, the past of Marvel video games has been really fun, and uh, contemporarily, it's been a little flat, besides if you're in the big fighting game community. But I think there's a future there. Isn't there also, we're going to have, like, Lego Marvel villains or something like that? No, that's, that's for the DC, DC Universe. DC but we universe, did just have Lego yeah. Marvel Superheroes 2, which is a fantastic right. game. I recommend that for Yeah, uh, Colin, you have well. that on the, the Switch, right? I just picked it up on the Switch, and I've been loving it. And in fact, they, of course, have DLC for all the movies, and of course, have an Infinity War tie-in, where you can get characters like Thanos, who actually has the gauntlet. Um, the entire Black Order. I mean, a ton of fun and interesting and unique characters just to that pack itself. Yeah, the Black Order is my favorite My Chemical Romance uh, album. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a, a great meme, though, and there's definitely some truth in this, where it was a picture of Steppenwolf and a picture of Ebony Maw, and it said, you know you're in trouble when a secondary villain is more interesting than your primary villain. Ooh, brutal. Which is <laughs> some shade, but come on. Oh, and Speaking of Ebony Maw and the comics uh, and, and Infinity War in general, we've seen him manipulate uh, Doctor Strange before. So it's nice that they kind of had that tie-in Oh, again, as well. in that Infinity comic that I mentioned before uh, with a new Avengers tie-in line. Yeah, a very interesting throwback to that comic panel. Yeah, so people should definitely check that out. Well, guys, that's been Video Games. We're going to be wrapping up with our final thoughts on Infinity War coming up. <laughs> Well, bad boys, that was our first deep dive of many on the MCU, starting with Infinity War. Uh, We've talked the movie, comic books that influenced it, and video games, including some exciting E3 news. So this is just our final thoughts. 
Last things we want to say before we go here, Mike, what are your final thoughts on Infinity War? All right, so my final thoughts are on Infinity War are we have one of the biggest licensed properties of all time, taking 18 films to get there. And not only are they subverting our expectations, they're subverting them in a way that is satisfying and intriguing and engaging. And we want to see what happens next. Now, I look at that in contrast to The Last Jedi, which is a huge licensed property where they subvert our expectations in a way that pisses me off. Oh, here we go. <laughs> where it, So basically, I want to draw the line. Marvel knows what the fuck it's doing when they flip the script on you. And I don't think Star Wars does. But not to only talk about Star Wars, I just want to make that contrast in the properties Disney is holding. The difference inside Disney. The management handling the Marvel side, to me, feels so much more successful than the management on the Star Wars side, that being said. But do you think that's because you're not necessarily a Marvel fan? You're a a Star Wars fan. It doesn't have as much stakes to you. Maybe this is all fresh. Maybe I'm not bringing that much into it that they can take away from me. That could be a factor. You're not staking your childhood. No, no, no. But my childhood is staked when I stepped into a Star Wars film. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Infinity War. And um, I do want to mention the scene that most affected me is when Thanos and Gamora are with the Red Skull. And she says, you never loved anything. And, you know, he has a sacrifice. And then she finally realizes he did love me. It was in a fucked up way. But he did. And it's so dark. It's so sad. They're doing dark better than DC. Yeah, there's a lot of like elements of abuse that are just not explored in films well at all. Right. And to see it explored in, in independent films. On a cosmic scale. Yeah, it's like if I can feel more for Gamora than I can for like, you know, like you said, indie films. I don't think they're, I don't think any film is, is handling abuse in the way that kind of Thanos but even to hear Thanos when Gamora says, I hated this place. And he's like, I know. You told me every day. Like, he's such a sad fucking dad. He's a bad guy, but he's such a sad dad. Like, my daughter just hated it, slammed her door all the time. Like, I was trying my best to show her that life can be different if you're just willing to sacrifice something. And she didn't get it. Yeah, there's a lot of really weird and interesting notes on abuse there to hit of like, what it's like to live with an abusive father. And to get that from a purple spaceman is a huge <laughs> tribute to the success of the writers. In a film writers. that made a billion dollars. Almost two. It's insane. It's insane. So they subverted my expectations in a way that made me happy. The good guys lost. I cannot wait for the next one. And then I want a reboot where they give me a little bit more foreplay. We're at the climax. I need to be sizzled up again let's oh, start at the I bottom let's start at the bottom after this <laughs> yeah, can, yeah. Uh, you gotta you gotta warm him up again yeah i'm gonna be done after infinity war 2 or infinity gauntlet i'm gonna need some time so spider-man 4 is gonna have to pique your interest again that's true or spider-man 4 well so spider-man 2 is gonna have to pique your interest would, again spider-man 6 or 5 uh, 5 Sp- now. spider-man 9 million let's stop Anyway, um, final thoughts. Uh, Joe, Colin, what do you guys think? So it's interesting what you just said, Mike. You know, uh, you just said it's a film where the bad guy wins. You know, we get Thanos's stated intent at the top. What are you going to do after the snap? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch the sunrise. And do we ever get a film in the history of film, again, where a villain ends content? He has committed his goal and he has succeeded completely. He's just taking a big exhale. You know, like he's... It's so calm. It's almost so therapeutic. Which is, again, a great throwback to the comics for fans. I mean, we see him do essentially the same thing at the end of the Infinity Gauntlet. For very different turns at the end of Infinity Gauntlet, he does end up becoming Farmer Thanos. Is that what we're about to see? We don't know. But uh, 
I wonder, I, I wonder about the future of Marvel. I loved this film. It did everything that I wanted it to as a fan, as a moviegoer. But uh, I, I really wonder about the future. I wonder, throwing it out to you guys, if Marvel could see a failure down the line. Uh, you know, it truly seems like it's been success after success. I know we've got the TV side with the Inhumans, but I'm, I'm really resigning it more to, do you think Marvel will ever have another stumble like they've had a little bit in the past? Someone's going to have to shoot Kevin Feige to make that happen. <laughs> like, he's <laughs> doing so true. well. we gotta, we got to lose our, our Captain America or Phil Coulson. Like, he's got to go before something bad They're happens. On such a trajectory they have it and to the other point you brought up mike you know with the last jedi you're getting claims now where uh uh people will say like jj abrams with what he set up in the force awakens that was the only job he had to do then he could pass the baton to ryan johnson who was allowed to take that baton wherever he wanted with kevin feige we know that's not the case he does have an end goal in mind and uh, i love that this is a part of that end goal and i'm excited to see avengers 4 really wrap it up if I start making a pizza and I say, I'm going to make a pizza, and by the end of this, you will have a pizza to eat. And then I pass it off to another chef and they start putting sushi on top of it and stroganoff. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? I promised a pizza and no one's going to get that. At least Marvel is giving us the pizza pie. They take all the ingredients that they've been telling you about and then here it is. It's and baked I gotta up. I got to say, they're great. damn high ingredients too. High great quality, quality. quality. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, my final thoughts here really dwell on uh, Avengers 4. You know, I'm not so worried about the future of smaller uh, MCU films. Ant-Man and the Wasp, okay, in your mind, Captain Marvel too. I'm excited you think? about I can't it. Wait for him. I, I mean, I'm excited about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. In my opinion, Marvel excels at these kind of smaller stories. So what I'm worried about, and not even worried about, that's not even fair to say. I'm just excited. Uh, you know, with A4... Am I going to get the moments I want as a diehard fan? Are you going to show me Captain America and Iron Man really hash it out? You know, like, I want that moment where I see Steve Rogers and Tony Stark shake hands and say, like, I love you like a brother. We're going to face this all together. I want to see Steve Rogers lift Mjolnir. Like, there's a lot of, like, fan service that I'm dying to get. And they haven't let me down yet, so there's no reason to think they will. Moving forward, I'm just excited about the universe. I think we've never been in a better spot for Marvel fans. We're going to get better comics. We're going to get better movies. We're going to get better video games. Very exciting. It's all uphill from here. After the success of these films, like I said, almost the fastest to $2 billion. They knocked it out of the park with the most ambitious film ever made. If you look at everything that came before it, why would they slow down? They're riding high and they deserve it. It's just going to get better from here, folks. Yes. They've earned a lot of public adoration. Let us know, folks, if you think they're going to stick the landing with Avengers 4. Be sure, fans, go ahead and follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you guys listening along every week. Uh, I, in particular, uh, just wanted to mention that Joe and I made a short film called The Hostage. That's kind of a dark little comic short. We would love if you guys check that out. We'll tweet out links to that as well. Or you can Google it on YouTube. Yeah, so you'll find all that on our socials. Mike, and anything you want to plug? Yeah, I just want to thank everybody that's been listening. We keep an eye on the map. You know, we're seeing people out there in uh, Ohio, North Carolina, Connecticut. If you're the Connecticut bro, what's up? Leave us a comment. We're seeing people in Portland. What's up, Portland, California, you know, Canada. Hey, Canada. Hey, got the some UK. poutine? 
you know, and the UK. We're international successes now, all thanks to you guys listening. So please keep listening. Go ahead and throw us a comment if you can, or a ratings or review on iTunes. It really helps our visibility. We just want to keep doing this for you. And we appreciate those of you that have been along for the ride since the beginning. So please stick with us, and we'll stick with you. Thank you, Normies. Thanks. Light rate and subscribe, guys. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And for Normies like us, this has been Joe. This is Colin. And this is Mike. You have a fantastic day. Normie on, guys. And cue up that snap. And half of our listeners disappeared. Disappeared. Hopefully not. I think it's good, except it sucks.